feel like we should have known this already Were we even taught this at all? Everybody and welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things we should have learned in school but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we talk about Drew Barrymore. <sighs> okay, so we are in a union house. Either though neither one of us is in a job that has a union. When I was a teacher, I was very much in the union. And Austin's family is a union family. Even though neither of us has ever been in an entertainment union, it's still a union. Yeah. And people deserve to get paid for their work. Exactly. No matter how, you know, silly the work may seem to others, think about how all of us relied on entertainment during uh, the height of the pandemic. Honestly, if it hadn't been for Netflix, one of us would have died. It's me. No, I'm the problem. It's me. I have watched so many bad horror movies in the last year, so many, and those would not have been possible without actors and writers. Even even B-horror movies have actors and writers. And we also legit should be a little afraid of how the advent of AI is taking over. Yeah. And okay, we love AI. We love that it does these really cool things to enhance our lives. It should not be replacing our lives. I mean, it's one of those things like right now, it's like, it's not impressive. Like if you take a second to look at what it's actually doing, it's bad, especially the art. It's really bad. See, I find it really helpful in my job as like a second, third set of robot eyes because I write and research and all that. So it does do some like grammar checking for me and some rewording, but it is not to the level that an editor would do. But we now have things like ChatGPT that are, quote unquote, creating original work. No, they're paraphrasing work and sometimes just making things up. There's even that big disclaimer at the top. It's like, hey, what we're going to tell you might not be true. Don't use this for important things. And sometimes they're not paraphrasing. I mean, someone, I'm not going to say who or directly that it was me has found their verbatim work come back when asking questions. Yeah, y'all, I'm a writer and researcher. I don't mind that my work is being used as a primary source for stuff. That's pretty fucking cool. I mind when my work is not sourced. Like, I work really hard on what I do. And also some places are replacing their entire writing staff with AI. And they're keeping the editors, which is great because editors need to work. But... Y'all, seriously, the writing quality will not be as good as a human. And uh, as it stands now, the art isn't as good. And it's also drawing from existing art. So it's like, it's just going to eat itself eventually. Yeah. And the people who are making these decisions, in fairness, are not the people who work at that level. No. And that's not them going, oh, I need to preserve my job. It's them going, this is bad. And then the people up higher are going, well, how hard can your job be? Yeah, there's like, I can't remember the exact name of the effect, but it's like if one company says, oh, we're replacing stuff with AI, then every other company is like, oh, no, if we need to stay competitive, we need to replace writers with AI. And it just spirals out of control and just stupidity from there. 
I feel like that was part of my logical fallacy episode a long time ago, but I cannot remember for sure. Yeah. We're going to, I'm just going to call it the lemming effect. I'm probably wrong. Uh, I'm probably as wrong as an AI writer. So don't quote me. (laughs) My brain is going to Vox Popular, but I don't think that's right. Maybe. Well, anyway, let's get into the episode. We can then talk about something else for the next episode because we may or may not be recording more than one right now. I know. Don't worry. Don't worry. I've got a lot of stuff like ready to roll. It's going to be impressive and horrifying. Are you talking about the banter or the episode topic? Oh, just you wait. Just you. You ready? Ready. Before I get started, I do want to say I looked up how to say this person's name. I listened to six different recordings of how to say their name. It had five different ways. Oh, no. So one of them was the way I'd been pronouncing it in my head, which is what I'm going to use. And now the train is going by. Oh, well. Yeah. So a long time ago, Austin talked about Marie Curie. She is one of the most famous female scientists in history, and she's often thought of as the first major female scientist. Yeah. No. What? No. We're going to talk about the first one today, or at least the one who's named the first because she came around around the time they started taking good notes on things. There is evidence that there were some before. This is Hypatia. Okay. Also, Hypatia, Hypatia, Hypatia. I'm like, what is happening? Hypatia. Hypatia. Ah. Her intelligence and skills are often overlooked, though, because of the manner of her death. Because obviously we can't focus on what a woman contributed unless we're talking about their deaths. Details about her life and teachings have varying levels of accuracy. It would not be a Maddie episode if things were actually correct. (laughs) Her works burned with the Library of Alexandria. No. So what we have about her is kind of like what we have about Shakespeare's plays. It's people doing it from memory, using scraps of their notes, and in some cases... Writing about her a couple hundred years later and saying that it's all correct. Hypatia was born around 355 CE. A lot of people say 370. That was the estimate for a long, long time. I've seen everything from 350 to 370, and most updated things say about 355. She was Theon of Alexandria's daughter. Now, there are two Theons. This is the second one. He was a Greek mathematician and a scholar, and he might have been the museum of the Library of Alexandria's last member. So there's a good chance he was the last one basically who worked at the OG Library of Alexandria Ooh. to like be around. He edited and arranged like a lot of really smart guys' works. I'm not going to, this is another thing, guys. So I could go through and make this a very long episode or series of episodes where I discuss all of the work that Hypatia and her father did. Individual works, people they like added on to, the changes they made to previous philosophers. I'm not going to do that. This is a bird's eye view of Hypatia. If if she interests you, then go forth and learn. I actually never had heard of her until this past week when I came across a either Facebook reel or TikTok video with a guy who was just going on about her in really excited terms. And I was like, oh, who is this chick? I did not watch this whole video because I didn't want to steal any of his work. So I can't credit him. Sorry. So like I was saying, her dad edited and arranged a lot of smart guys, smart guys works. And he became the head of a school, which he passed on to his daughter. And he also did a lot of that editing with his daughter, Hypatia. No one knows who her mom was. She may or may not have had a brother named Epiphanius, but he also could have just been her dad's favorite student. And that's what we look at, you know, why it's important to take notes during class, kids. Because if you try to remember later, it's going to mix some stuff up. 
So Theon's goal with his daughter was to raise a perfect human. Speaking of AI. Hey, uh, too bad they wouldn't succeed until the year 1980, so <laughs> when I was. I was thinking until the year 2023 when Megan came out. So his version of a perfect human involved making sure his daughter was as educated as any of the boys in town. He taught her math. He taught her astronomy. He taught her public speaking. All of these would become very, very important in her later career. As they went, she helped him add new information to the books he was working on. But one of her biggest skills, and this is part of why, like, she is my soul sister here, was taking this heavy, heavy information and breaking it down so everybody could understand it. That is my job, folks. If you ever want to be like, what's Maddie's job? It's taking in-depth information and making it so people can understand it. It's like this podcast, but writing and less ADHD tangents and few to no uses of the word fuck. I mean, it was in Greek, so probably it'd say zero. I'm talking about my other work. Oh. Please, this is about me? That's right. I forgot who the main character was. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, what is with everybody being like, oh, they've got main character energy, like, but it's a bad thing. Shouldn't we all be the main character in our own lives? I mean, I'm the villain in my own story. So one of the things Theon wrote, her dad, was book three of his version of Ptolemy's Almagest, Almagest, um, which said that Earth is the center of the universe. Her dad is the one who said that. Oh. Not necessarily Ptolemy, though we don't know, but it sounds like Theon probably actually was. This was the go-to guide for the universe until Copernicus and Galileo showed up and they were like, nah, bro. Talking about main character energy. But here's the thing. There's a chance that even Theon didn't write it and Hypatia did. Which really? means that entire saga that we learned about in school could have all been written by a woman using the best knowledge they had at the time. Yeah. Not some dude. So as she grew up, she became skilled in math, astronomy, public speaking, and philosophy. She wrote about math and astronomy and she taught her students how to build an astrolabe. An astrolabe was used until the 1800s to measure astronomical ph- phenomena. It also like helped guide sailors. Um, she might have actually invented that, along with the brass hydrometer and the hydroscope. But she also might have learned that from somebody else and just known how to make them, and she taught other people how to make them. There is no confirmed way one or another. <sighs> the one thing I hate about like super, super ancient stuff, it's like, it's like we think it was this person, but they could have just been the first recorded one. So what we're doing today is giving all credit to her. Okay. Because she's a woman and we can let her stand for all other ancient women who are not getting the credit they're due because she is one of the earliest symbols of feminism, which we will talk about. So her branch of philosophy was Neoplatonism. 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 So in Neoplatonism, it was the last school of Greek philosophy. Neoplatonism was the last school of Greek philosophy, beginning in the 3rd century CE. Um, I searched for a while to understand what this is. And I'll just say philosophers are way smarter than I am. I read thing after thing after thing. I could not understand what Neoplatonism was. And I was like, I need Hypatia to come back and explain this to me, because apparently that was what she was good at. I finally searched Neoplatonism for dummies. And I think I have a vague idea of what it is. Okay. Vague. Do not use this as a resource for any tests on Neoplatonism. If if it's philosophy, it's like good luck because that stuff is complicated and hard and we never learn it. And for some reason, people make fun of it. Yeah. Philosophy is really hard, y'all. Yeah. I took a class in it and it was hard, but I had a really good teacher, so I got an A. All right. So these are some of the basic things. 
the mind causes everything in your world to exist. So basically, it's kind of like, if you don't have a word for table, the table doesn't really exist. For so you. it's, I think, therefore it is? Kind of, yeah. There's a certain level of, I think, therefore it is, I think, therefore I am happening in this. There is something about our world being directly next to the ideal version of our world, but because we are messy, um, our thoughts are what jumbles up that ideal world. Um, so people's ideas come from their experiences. So it's not just, you're not, you're basically not just a list of facts. Your worldview shapes based on your experiences. The mind is the same thing, but also separate from the one, which is divine. You return to the one after death. True knowledge and understanding kind of have a Buddhist aspect to them. Once attained, you don't return to earth. You are not, you are reincarnated until you've reached the pinnacle of knowledge, at which point you become entwined with the one. The more you know, the closer you are to unity with God. But you have to understand that you know these things because of your own mind. You don't know these things because of someone else, because someone else told you. You know them because you know them. My mind hurts. And attachment to your body is overrated. You should focus on your mind. But, but I like my body, even though it's kind of squishy and very hairy. <laughs> so that's the basic of Neoplatonism. The reason you got to know that is because it's a very chill thing. And it's about learning and growing and, you know, free will until you die and you reach closeness with the deity at the center of your religion. What does that sound like to you? A little bit like Christianity? Wee bit, yes. Yeah, you walk around, you learn stuff, you die, you get closer to your deity. Except, like, the big difference is you come back until you learn more here. She became a popular philosopher from her street preaching, where she wore the same robes as other philosophers and attracted crowds to her. Uh, Suidas, a historian from Byzantium, said she was chosen to explain Plato's and Aristotle's teachings. This means that she didn't dress in typical women's clothing while teaching the uh, works of these men. She also drove her own chariot and oh. had political influence because Hypatia does what Hypatia wants. Uh, she didn't just stick to the streets, though. She also began teaching in her home and she became the head of that school that her dad had run. She taught math and astronomy to large groups. Her students had all sorts of different backgrounds. Now, this is when the Christians are showing up in uh, in Alexandria. And they're like, hey, we're taking over. Fuck y'all pagans. And she was like, hey, Christians, you look kind of like people to me. And they're like, yeah, we're pretty sure we are. She's like, okay, cool. You want to learn about Neoplatonism and astronomy and math? And they're like, Yeah. So they were just as welcome in her classes as people from Alexandria, as the Jews were that were in the area that were being run out. But that's a whole other topic. Everybody was welcome. It didn't matter if you were poor or if you were rich or if, in this case, you were the governor Orestes. So the governor was one of her students? Yes. Okay. And that's important. Oh. Because think about what I just said is happening in Alexandria at this time. Um. Some of her Christian students went on to become bishops. After studying under a Neoplatonist woman, and they went on to become leaders of the Christian church. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, before, so I guess that was the last time that the women were respected at the church? I mean, in the Catholic church. So being a powerful woman with mostly male students, what is the question that every teenage boy would have? How hot was she? Very. Oh. That is actually recorded. 
that she, well, they, they used nicer words than that. I think it was like fair and fine of form or something like that. She was hot. Somehow, okay, somehow fair and fine of form is a little bit grosser than hot. She was hot. So what would be the next thought that those teenage boys would have? She's single? She was. Oh. Now, bearing in mind that her students are adults, and also this is Greece, so age didn't really matter, obviously one decided to shoot his shot. Oh, no. This is how I imagine this conversation went. In my head, this guy is Gaston. (laughs) It's important here. They don't actually know who he was. So you're the most beautiful girl in the town. Get your head out of those books so we can marry and have many sons. No, thanks. But every last inch of me is covered with hair. Do you have have any idea how many eggs I ate before I came to see you? (laughs) I smell horrible. Um, listen, I can play the liar. And she plays the liar. Uh, neat. But that's not the turnoff you think it is. Let's throw your crazy father in a nut house and run away together. Oh my god, is this just Beauty and the Beast? Well, Hypatia wasn't a fan of his continued advances, just like Belle. But whereas Belle mostly just yelled at him and then ran away with um, a creature, um, she decided to take a more active approach to getting rid of him. However, Hypatia is not a murderer or anything. She understands that there is one thing all men throughout time have always feared. Bears. No, not every place has had bears. Oh. But every place has had women. And one, what is one thing that almost all adult women start around age 13? Uh, the one thing that men have always feared. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, she took out her soiled period rags <laughs> God. and showed them to him and said, this is what you love, but you don't love beauty for itself. Okay, that's horrifying, but badass. And he was like, period's icky, and left her alone. (laughs) And she went on her merry way to live a celibate life. She did not want or need no man. Good for her. So the liar thing. That was a Pythagorean remedy for horniness, and it did not work. What? I know, right? I feel like Pliny the Elder would have a better idea than just playing a nice little instrument. That said, if they're playing green sleeves on it, I'm out. I don't think you played green sleeves on the lyre. I think Isn't that, that was... what the little plinky instrument is? That's a... I know it's not the, not the horn one, but the, the one they're playing on, the, think, the strumming one. I think a lyre is like a little miniature harp. Yeah. Green sleeves is played on a lute. Sometimes. Maybe it was, or a harpsichord. And the period thing. Now, I lean towards this was an impulse and she was just like, you know what? Get the fuck away from me. But there's also like these highfalutin people who are like, Oh, it's because she knew that women on the periods were unclean and he needed to be reminded that she was of woman born and therefore came out of a period. I'm like, that is not how it works, first of all. And secondly, I don't think women or anybody, when they're in a moment of feeling very uncomfortable and trying to get rid of somebody, are thinking, what is the deepest and most meaningful way I could do this? It was like, ew, period blood, look. Yeah, everyone knows the deepest and most meaningful way you can get rid of someone is interpretive dance to jazz. But jazz had not been invented yet, and the lyre is not known as jazzy. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I feel like even today that would work. Look at my period rugs. Is this really what you want? Someone who you have to stick stick your thing up there when they're having their period? Is that what you want? Is that what you want, Gaston? And he's like, um, what is that? Beauty and the Beast would have been a way shorter movie. <laughs> 
I feel like this might be more in line in the original in, in, with the original story. I've never read it, but... All right, so, but moving on, we had to get past that part because it's important just to understanding who she was. So we're looking at this period in time where <laughs> Neoplatonism... What? Sorry, period in time. <laughs> we're looking at this one out of every four weeks in which Neoplatonism was considered paganism. And see, I never have to deal with it being considered paganism because I had a hysterectomy. <laughs> Nothing is ever pagan again. That's how this works, right? That's exactly how this works. Like, until you're 13, there's no paganism. Once you have a hysterectomy, there's no paganism. Once you've hit menopause, no paganism. Ah, but, the, but, ah, but then explain Crohn's. Um, it's a digestive illness. <laughs> I walked right into that one. Continue. So at this time, because Neoplatonism was considered heresy, and because she's a woman who is drawing crowds of men without using her tits, and she knows how to read and stuff, the Christians aren't too sure about this bitch. But they're like, okay, we're going to let this slide for now. We're going to go and talk to Orestes, the governor. And this means that they were dealing with Cyril. Cyril, the kind of head bishop of the Christians, who does not have too much of a problem with uh, ripping people apart. So he was like, Orestes, like, let's be chill here. And Orestes was like, no, you're trying to like take out my people. And Cyril's like, uh, that's really rude to say. And so there's this rivalry that goes on between them. And this led to the Christians accusing Orestes of being pagan and attacking him in the street. Well, he didn't like that. So his reaction, of course, was totally proportional and order the torturing to death of a monk. Yeah, that's logical next step. And then the Christians were like, okay, how can we really get this guy? You know, I bet it's that Hypatia telling him to not make peace because no man would ever make that decision on his own. Yes, because men have been known for their peaceful solutions and never starting a single war. So one day, Hypatia is leaving one of her lectures in her carriage, and this is 14, 415 CE. She was dragged out of her carriage by a mob linked to Cyril. As National Geographic put it, quote, they stripped her, killed her, stripped her flesh from her bones, scattered her body parts through the streets, and burned some of the remaining parts of her body in the library of Caesarium. What? Yeah. So she's dragged out of her carriage. This all started in a church. They dragged her into a church, you know, a good little Christian church where uh, we don't murder i think that's like a commandment it's like thou shall not uh i want to say kiln kilt thou shalt not wear a kilt that sounds right yeah that's i think that's it and i mean she dressed like a man so she might have been wearing a kilt yeah i mean they're, they're greek like everyone was wearing a toga and tunic yeah and the uh the reasonable punishment for that was flaying and skin removal yeah Ugh. so this made her a martyr for her cause the cause of Neoplatism, the cause of paganism, the cause of math and science, and just being a woman in general. Many think she died because of the competition between the political and religious groups. Okay, straightforward answer. Some think Cyril was scared of her intelligence and how many followers she had while being a woman. I could see that. Yeah. Others uh, thought she was actually a witch. I mean, did she float? I don't think they gave her time to try. They were too busy flaying her. And That's true. They hadn't gotten to those sophisticated witch-finding tests. Like, does she float? Is Does she have a toad? No matter what, she's likely the last pagan scientist in the entire Western world. Wow. And moreover, according to these really smart people, 
In the thousand years after she died, the Western world had no major scientific advances because it plunged into the Dark Ages. So I feel like if she was a witch, she cursed everybody. She was like, fine, no science for you. You're going to keep thinking that the Earth is the center of the universe. Yeah, and for some reason, flat. Even though we just proved that like a thousand years more this. Yeah, I don't know why anybody thinks it's flat other than like my limited area around me is kind of flat. I mean, we're on a, we're, we're in a room. It's also square. Yeah, the Earth is square. Like, and, an, like an Emo's pizza. Wait, no, Emo's pizza's round. Like a slice of in Emo's it. pizza. What's happening? Her acceptance of Christians showed Neoplatonism and Christianity could coexist even within a single person. In fact, her teachings went on to inspire people who founded the modern Christian church, which is why you see parts of Neoplatonism in Christianity. Ooh. I forgot to note it down. I want to say it was Alexander the Great, but I'm not positive. That doesn't sound right. Alexander the Great was uh, a while before this. Yeah, there was somebody who learned from her. I had it in my notes and I deleted it because it didn't seem important. But one of the guys who founded the modern version of the Christian church was a Neoplatonist who converted to Christianity. Uh, Constantine? No, but he had to do with Constantine. Okay. Um, Hypatia is considered a martyr for paganism and philosophy just in general. And her death marked the end of her type of Neoplatonism, but it continued on in other forms. Her death is especially intriguing because it connects to Catherine, St. Catherine, a Christian girl who was killed after living almost an identical life and having an almost identical death a hundred years before. It's almost like they decided, oh, let's make this, uh, let's make this story about us. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting, Hypatia definitely existed. A lot of people were able to report on these being the uh, circumstances of her life and death. Catherine... It sounds like also existed, but there were not as many records taken. Well, the Catholics were like, oh, we, we were martyred. She's martyred and she's she, she needed a, a saint. How can we make her be a saint? Well, let's just take Hypatia's story. Now, obviously, I guess the two could have been very similar. I guess this could have happened. Yeah. Um, she even like was rebuffing the advances of men to, in order to stay a virgin because Jesus Christ is my husband. I'm like, is that someone who comes into your room at night? You're 14. I'm a, I'm a little concerned. So when I see these, I'm reminded of how the Bible stories are very similar to Greek and Roman stories. So if we think of like, oh, Orpheus and Eurydice, and there's that whole thing about looking back and a, and a pile of salt. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, was it Lot and Lot's wife? Who doesn't even get a name, by the way. I, uh, I think it starts with an E. She does have a name. I don't know. Of course, I never talk about anybody whose life ended and that was the end of her story. Hypatia's students were like, fuck this town and ran to Athens, where they con continued studying and teaching math. So even though we didn't have much in the way of science, math kept continued. Her school lasted until 642 CE, so another 200 plus years. To this day, her life represents the ability of women to succeed in math and science without a man to take the credit. Without her, we probably wouldn't have had Marie Curie. She's still seen as a feminist symbol, especially in intellectual pursuits. And they made this movie called Agora, which she inspired in 2009, starring Rachel Weisz. But she was portrayed as the mistress of a slave. So I don't think there's a whole lot of accuracy. No, I, I don't think there was. Like, can we just make a movie about her that's not about a man? Not in 2009. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the story of Hypatia. The last pagan scientist in the western world who shut down science for a thousand years because she died in a really horrible way and then she cursed us 
I really hope that's the case. I you know what if if she was a witch, I hope she did curse us and like we make it maybe we could use that again. I feel like as a society we were ready for some questions. I'm ready for questions. So these are questions um not for him to answer, but to say whether or not they would be on the test. Will the fact that Christians martyred someone whose story may have been embellished by the life and death story of someone they killed be on the test? No. Will the fact that Hypatia was welcoming to all people regardless of their background be on the test? Yes, that will. Will the fact that Hypatia was often found wearing traditionally male clothing and participating in traditionally male activities be on the test? They'll be on the test everywhere except for Florida. Will Hypatia shoving bloody period rags in a dude's face be on the test? My heart says yes, but all my common sense says no. We need to have more discussion in schools about these female scientists and mathematicians. If we did, maybe we'd have more of them now. Yeah, we should. I mean, that's we we keep trying to, but then like people get mad about it. I remember having like a brief discussion of Marie Curie in science once. I mean, that was only a hundred years. I know. And when we learned about this, this would have been eighty years ago. Yeah. Like there are people who were like overlapping with her if I have my timeline right. Maybe. When did she die? Oh, it was in the 1920s. Oh, yeah. We would have had people who were laughing her then. Yeah. Barely. But they would have. Yeah. The whole thing is fucked. Like, why are women left out of all of these conversations? Because there are plenty of us. Like, like almost, um, I would say roughly half of us. It's like, who was it? Hedy Lamar, who like essentially invented the internet, but nobody talks about uh, Hedy it. Hedy Lamar essentially invented Wi-Fi. Yeah. But she was pretty and an actress. And that's all people talked about. Yeah. She's on my list of people to talk about. But... We never even discussed her at any point. She also, like, did some other invention stuff. But, I mean, if your looks can pay the bills, go for it. That will, you know, your little hobby of being hot can support your job of doing science. Women really can have it all. You can. There's at least two we've mentioned that have. No. Um, Unless having it all includes being murdered in a really horrific way. Oh, yeah, I guess that is not having it all. Of course that means you nowadays you'd end up in a podcast. Ooh. I mean, she did, right now. And on that note, class Class dismissed. dismissed.